A little mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he churned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance. Now let's start the show. Step out of the cold. All right, folks, welcome back to the Second Mouth Podcast. We are your temporary hosts. My name is Tom, and on the other side, you have Q there. I say temporary because we are missing somebody. But first, before we get into that, Q, how are you doing? Uh, I'm, it's not Q, it's LibCrusher69, Tom. That's oh, my name. that's, my that's name. right. Is that your true social name? So should we get that information? It's my there? true social. It's my gab. It's all the major players. Um, so yeah, so that's that's what I, I, I will not answer to Q, by the way. I will only answer to LibCrusher69. Okay, so um, <laughs> LibCrusher69 and, uh, and I... Would like to thank you all for listening and watching this on our YouTube channel. If you're not subscribed to that, do us a favor and just fucking do it. Do so it. smash that like and subscribe button. I always hear people say smash it, and I'm like, okay, let's let's pump the brakes. I and can I'm, just click it. I'm gonna say this, Tom. If they don't, if they don't give you us a five star rating, or if they don't like follow us on Twitch and YouTube, they're silencing our free speech. That's true. Um, it's, That's actually against the law. It's against the law, and I will prosecute every one of you that don't do it. So, yeah, just saying. We 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 have names here. We collect names here. Go look at the Supreme Court. See who's <laughs> gonna, who. Who are they going to side with? You or me? <laughs> That's right. Um, and I mentioned that we are the co-hosts, but also there is a third person that's normally on the show, and that is our friend Gatto. But he has been away for the last couple of weeks. And if you're a listener of the show or you watch us on the um, YouTube or Twitch, you do know that he's doing some really incredible work, escaping Guantanamo Bay, solving the Silicon Valley Bank crisis. Thank you for your service. He turned down the Presidential Medal of Freedom um, so he could go ahead and do that. But there's been something that has come to light that I think we all need to provide some attention on. And um, Gatto was unfortunately involved in an incident in Cleveland, Ohio this weekend. Um, he unfortunately met his old nemesis again, Ginny Thomas at the deli counter of a giant Eagle outside of Cleveland. Um, he had been minding his own business, trying to decide between a Turkey and ham sandwich when Ginny mm -hmm. Thomas suddenly appeared in her flying dirigible. Um, she swooped down her airship, casting a shadow over the deli counter and demanded they got a, Prove he was woke. <laughs> now, I mean, Gatto would have no problem proving he's woke. Yeah. He's, now, he's at woke. first, Gatto didn't understand what she had meant. Um, he had heard the term before, of course, but he wasn't entirely sure what it meant. Ginny Thomas seemed to take this as a personal affront and began chasing him around the grocery store, <laughs> demanding that he define the term. I could just imagine the wife of a Supreme Court justice chasing Gatto around and not one of those like full size shopping carts one of the little ones yeah it's the little small ones you get like like walgreens or something yep 
Or yeah. she's got the race car shopping car because there's nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, the police were called, however, and Gatto found himself being arrested for causing a disturbance. Ginny Thomas, still hovering in her airship, shouted down at the officers, demanding that they release Gatto and let him go free. What a move by her. Um, but it was no use. Gatto was taken away in handcuffs, um, still wondering what exactly it meant to be woke. Um, <laughs> Arrested as, on the crime of being woke. Yep. Um, as Gatto sat in the jail cell, he couldn't help but reflect on the strange turn his day had taken. Um, he had never thought about his lack of knowledge, about a single word could land him in jail. But then again, he never would have thought that he would be chased around a grocery store by a flying dirigible either. Tonight on Tucker Carlson, arrested for being woke? More 10. <laughs> um, in the end, Gatto resolved to do some research and learn more about the term woke. Maybe then he could avoid any more run-ins with his nemesis, Ginny Thomas, or anyone else who might demand that he prove his level of consciousness um, and who knows, maybe he would even find a way to use his newfound knowledge to make the world a better place. Beautiful. I honestly was reading that news article from Jim Jordan's website, and I thought we were going to have like a fugitive situation where there was going to be a bus and train crash and Gatto was going to be running down the railroad tracks. And um, he jumps jump. out. He jumps off the, like, the that big like uh, waterfall. <laughs> He goes, I what I didn't turn woke and like Tommy Lee Jones there, like, I, I don't, don't care. care. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So that's an update on Gatto, and we hope he's doing well. I don't know if he's going I to have to do more time. Because like as I'm a Live Crusher 69, wokeness is you go to jail. That's what happens. Is this a Guantanamo offense? Does he have to go back? Or are they gonna put him at Alcatraz this time? Um, I think it's pretty much going to be a like Rikers situation, but oh. they they put you in the basement of Rikers. Okay. Yeah, it's certainly a, a tricky situation for him, yeah. and you know he's going to be down there with Cyrus the virus and Cyrus um, the virus, the great great grandchild of Jack the Ripper and the turtle <laughs> they found from Plum Island, and it's going to be Gatto <laughs> and like leg leg. Like a full-on bodysuit, just like, what are you in for, kid? <laughs> I'm not attuned to Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, what's woke? I've been in jail for 30 years. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, well, we bring that up um, because there's a topic we're going to get into later about um, somebody who wrote a whole fucking book about the term woke and yet could not define that. But Oh, God. I don't want to get too far into the weeds on that. First and foremost, I think the most important thing is Q or Lib Crusher 69. Oh. What are you wearing on the day Donald Trump will get arrested? Uh, you know, my usual outfit, uh, my fuck Joe Biden t-shirt, uh, my MAGA shoes, my MAGA jeans, my MAGA hat, my MAGA earrings, my MAGA watch, uh, my MAGA wristband, my MAGA necklace. I mean, this is a normal day. So this like, isn't a formal event. So you're not going to wear the brick wall suit, right? I mean, I might wear a tuxedo t-shirt underneath because it is formal, but it means I'm here to party. Um, I yeah, you know, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna do. I mean, I could wear my black maga t-shirt because you know it's like a funeral. Like my hero is going to jail, so it's like 
you know, you've got to, got to be sad about this. Yeah. But I, I feel like this is his. So for those who are not following along, um, the rumor has spread that Donald Trump is going to be arrested um, or I guess formally indicted. And this is a New York city, like the, the state of New York's investigation, right? Yeah. So I, I, I sent you that uh, tweet um, before Tom that, it, it was from a tw- it was from 2016 and i don't i don't know who this twitter user is because like i've I, i've never seen a bronze hammer mm-hmm. um and it's basically saying like it's it's imagining what like a resistance lib would say like well i'd like to see old donnie trump wiggle his way out of this one like the stormy daniels thing and then it says trump easily wiggles himself out and like ah well uh, nevertheless that was unexpected <laughs> yeah I, too many times he's been he has been john Gotti levels of teflon um for so long that it just i like when you used to see those resistance guys i can't remember uh, something palmer i don't know if you ever following this guy on twitter he is like a real big resistance lib and he's been saying since 2016 trump's gonna go to jail he's going to prison he's going to prison and it's like it just becomes funny at this point because it's like no he's not he's never gonna see a jail he's never gonna get fucking fingerprinted and fucking have to take a mugshot but this is the moment in which it kind of feels like it might happen. Um, the New York uh, District Attorney Alvin Bragg. Uh, there's rumors that apparently he might be bringing charges for. I think it was storming from the Stormy Daniels thing, right? Yeah. So that, and then apparently the Georgia. Um, I think the Georgia District Attorney recommended charges for the thing with. I think with so- the. With, uh, that was the election component there, but also too, um, I read on Twitter, so I know this is factually accurate, that the the district attorney for Fulton County was going to throw on another racketeering charge as well because he tried to get this most recent iteration thrown out for whatever reason. Like, you know, he's playing yeah. golf that day and he couldn't make it. Um I don't know. I'm I'm not as optimistic because I feel like this is like a classic blue and on thing where it feels that way, right? But when you saw those um the, the outside the uh, New York uh district attorney they're like putting up barricades and it feels like it's coming. I mean, like, they might just be raising the retirement age in New York. <laughs> God. I love the, I love the French. I know everyone's like fuck the French and all that. Tiny free prison food sucks. Yes, Gato. Um, how are you tweeting from fucking Rikers? Uh, how are you like posting from Rikers? The same way that um, who was the guy that was in uh, Bulgaria or whatever? Uh, Andrew Tate. They gave him a cell phone. Did they? I thought I thought that was somebody just doing that for him. I mean, it might have been. All of his tweets are pretty stupid to begin with, so there yeah. wasn't like much lost. From I thought he gave it to like his girlfriend and like gave his phone, and she's like he's just telling her what the what the tweet. I, either way, whatever. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I, I feel like this, this is, um, this is the moment you remember, you remember, uh, when, when Harvey Weinstein started to kind of get problems Yeah, and like forever, everyone's like, no one's going to fucking do anything to him. Like he's too powerful. He's been doing this for too long. He's got too many friends. And then it finally, one thing happened. And then all of a sudden it fucking snowballed. This could be the moment where, okay, Alvin Bragg made the fucking move. All right, now George is going to make the move, and now everyone else is going to start making a move. And then now the fucking attorney general, who's been fucking useless this entire time, 
um, may make a move. So, and like, it's so funny. Like, I wanted to hear your thoughts on this because first off, do you think that it's actually going to happen? But secondly, do you think it helps him or hurts him? I think it helps him by a thousand percent. I kind of disagree only because I think that this is going to be become too big and it's going to be too many things to fight because if, if ultimately Georgia kind of starts kicking in now too, and now he's dealing with New York charges and charges in Georgia, um, this is where it's going to become like, he's not going to be able to like focus on the election. He's going to be too busy trying to keep himself out of jail and although his cult will grow stronger, but is there, do we really think that there's enough people in his, on his side that will, cause I feel like a segment will go, okay, I'm done. DeSantis time. We're going full in on DeSantis. And I think yeah. enough people will be shaved off because his electorate is not big enough in general to like just win outright. He needs independence and all that. Independents are going to fucking flee from him. I don't think. I think if you are on the Trump train right now, even if Norfolk Southern owns the rail lines, you're not getting off. And I mean, we could go all the way back to 2015 with Trump University being sued for fraud and stealing money from people. That was settled. He stole money from a veterans group. That was settled. The locker room talk video with Billy Bush, that didn't bother him. The taxes thing didn't bother him. Um, the where will, he gets his money from, like, I will point out though, Tom, those were not charges, those were character issues. Trump University never went to it, it was settled out of court, and it wasn't like he wasn't being charged with anything, he was just being sued. And like, being sued by Donald Trump being sued is nothing shocking. Um, these are gonna be like, and if they're racketeering charges in Georgia, like. Those are not those are like mafia boss charges. Those that's what they do to try and get rid of like John Gotti. Yeah. Supposedly there's another voice recording of him like similar to the I just need 11,367 votes. Um apparently there's another one that's like that. I've always loved how he says votes like votes. Votes. But tremendous I, votes. I don't some of the best votes you've ever seen. I saw the uh, Alvin Bragg. He said it was the best indictment he ever did because it's me. I, I don't know if this lands, though. That's the thing. I, I'm i not as um, – here, like, nobody ha- nobody's leaving the, the club now. Like, if you, are, if you are a Donald Trump fan, you're going to stay a fan. I mm-hmm. think if the January 6th stuff – didn't change people's minds. Getting indicted by a quote unquote corrupt government anyway is just it's New York. Keep, yeah, it's just, New York. Yeah, you know. But it's Georgia just though, keep there. But Georgia, Georgia doesn't have a Democrat district attorney though. It doesn't. But I think also Brett Raffensperger, even though he's like a like died in the wool Republican, I think. You can believe whatever you want about this whole situation. And I think ultimately that's how it's going to play. It's how it's going to play out. But frankly, like, I don't see this moving the needle at all. I think this is just going to show people that it's going to affirm a lot of voices on the right who think that Biden is abusing his power. 
to have Trump thrown in jail. Again, it doesn't this need has nothing to, make, to do with Biden. Right, though. but it doesn't need to make sense. None of this needs to make sense. It's all about a narrative that you're able to create. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I will say this. I'm not I'm on your side that I don't I'm not fully convinced that this is gonna happen. Um, but I'm going to say if it does happen, he's cooked. He's going to jail. If it does, if, if if New York comes down and lays charges on him and then Georgia files suit, he's going to jail. Because the Georgia thing, the New York thing, I don't know. Like, I don't know what's going to happen there. Because, like, the I don't even, like, how serious of a charge is that with the Stormy Daniels thing? Like, I don't actually know. I but, think it's it's a financial crime is what they're trying to implicate him for. Like, using money in a way that is reported incorrectly to do something. Yeah. That okay. doesn't carry the same kind of weight, racketeering. although racketeering, although it sounds cool, it might be harder to prove versus a financial crime. Those audio recordings are pretty damning, though. Yeah. Um, the official definition of racketeering for those keeping score at home is racketeering is a type of organized crime in which the perpetrator is set to coerce fraudulent extortionary or otherwise illegal coordinated scheme or operation to repeatedly or consistently collect a profit. So yeah, I mean, yeah. he could, the, the argument for that racketeering charge could be like the stop the steal stuff was really just to like, generate capital for trump and he never actually used any of it for what it was supposed to be that's going another to. thing is though because he was asked he was like i would see people it's like 25 million dollars right that they raised for that stop the steal fund yeah and where where did it go like steve bannon like if he didn't get his uh if he didn't get uh clemency was going to go to jail because he misappropriated the wall funds that he collected yep. so like this is kind of the same thing, and but like no one's gonna fucking bail Trump out of this. And even if DeSantis won in 2024, let's just say he doesn't get charged till 2020, he doesn't get uh, convicted till 2024, and then DeSantis in there. Do you think DeSantis would like provide him clemency? Well, Ronnie D already like he said two different things. Like one of them was about like. I think it's unfair that the government is trying to prosecute a former governor, a former president. And then he also said something to the effect of like, but yeah, that shit's crazy. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Good luck with that. Cause that's crazy. I don't, yeah. I, that's, that's some fucked up shit right there. <laughs> so I do have concerns about that because I, I think this is going to potentially start a move for the Republicans to start just like, now I'm going to go after Obama for this, or I'm going to go for after Clinton for this. But at the same time, I don't care. I still don't care if it causes more chaos because he has already kind of went to the Duarte. Uh, what's the leader in the Philippines name? Eduardo uh, Duterte. Duterte. He's already starting to talk like Duterte, where he's like, and if I'm, I get elected in 2024, I'm going to kill drug dealers. I'm going to execute them in the streets. And I'm like, he's going like he knows he has to go harder this time to like try and capture that magic again. He's going to try and go full like right wing authoritarian type as if like he wasn't already. So 
if we can find a way to stop him, like, and if it's like a legal means, then like, I'm, I say go for it because at the end of the day, like, I'm kind of tired of presidents having this like protected immunity. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I do think Obama should have to deal with like the drone strikes that happened under underneath it, like you know, him and Trump both. That's the one big thing about Biden I love is that drone strikes went way down under him. Um, I don't think presidents should just have this immunity. So yeah. This carte blanche, like, do whatever you want, no repercussions. Fucking Nixon, man. He started all this shit because Ford fucking, you know, he bailed him out and we never really dealt with that. Yeah. I mean, it was it was kind of prosecuted in the court of public opinion, which doesn't really mean anything. But I I think the, the, the difference is with Trump is. He is such he did such a good job of putting people who are like minded in positions of like judicial power that it's very hard to get one of these to go through. And I think one of what we've seen from the election is that if there is a dissenting voice amongst the people that, you know, is a Republican, but says like, no, he he's not allowed to do that. You're you can't break the law to be president, even though if I am going to vote for you the Republican party has done a very good job of like, a, like not eliminating, but removing those people from office or like running somebody even further to the right of them to replace them. So the folks that are left are pretty much fully pilled at this point. So I say all that, like if these two charges don't work, it's done. Like, and they shouldn't waste any more time <clears throat> on it. Yeah. I, I, I do worry if he gets, if he can get past these charges, then it's a problem. Yeah, he's he's gonna be unstoppable at that point. Um, but I don't know. I I I don't think I don't think I think they've weighed their options pretty heavily, and I think they know that they're gonna get an easy conviction on these things. Uh, but to speak on um, like with with presidents, like I just it just feels like that tide is changing a bit, and at the same time, I think Republicans kind of fucked themselves a little bit because these this push to have like a strong state rights thing that they've been kind of really going on lately like abortion has kind of been that question dobbs has really been the point where it's like no it's up to the state to decide well then you can't come back and say that new york doesn't have a right to prosecute him if they feel like they he broke the law in their state ultimately they're doing what they're allowed to do as a state yeah and i i think that's the one of the tricky parts about the republican party at this point in the last like I would say probably since they started really like digging into the Hillary Clinton stuff is they just, they don't have a particular theme of how they want to govern. And it's either the States seem to be able to do it, but that's when like the federal government has to spend money in their favor. But when it comes to like a policy or law that is trying to get passed by the GOP, it's no, the federal government has the authority, but There's just not a reoccurring, like, I would say that Democrats are really fucked, like, in terms of being able to agree on message. But the GOP is just, they also have that same problem, but their extremes are significantly greater. I think that's becoming tougher, though, for them, because I think the, the Matt Gates of the world doesn't really align with their overall structure and view. I think they kind of let the fox in the hen house a little bit and 
they have to deal with the people on the fringe who are speak who are capturing an audience, you know, and getting people to kind of agree with a more extreme right wing view. And they have to balance that because like, I mean, Mitch McConnell is like, by the way, is Mitch McConnell dead? Um, I don't think he's dead, but he's definitely the guy from Silence of the Lambs 2 right now. <laughs> wait, wait, Silence of the Lambs. Uh... What was it, Hannibal? Oh, the Ray Liotta's character with the brain. Wait, it cuts out. His, like, what are you talking about? The um, guy? No, the Gary Oldman character. <laughs> Which one's the goal, Gary Oldman character? The guy who was um, who Hannibal Lecter ate his face and he's coming back for revenge now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah that makes sense um yeah he like he's been fucking gone for a while he's he's so like they should be thanking him for the amount of work that he put in um getting the judicial you know really in their favor and yet they hate him because he's they view him as an old school like conservative like rhino and um so I, I think th- I think they're they are starting to deal more with like that, but yeah, they they are the Democrat uh, Democrats obviously having that big tent theory is one of the tougher things, but they they've been more aligned lately than probably ever. Yeah, the tricky thing is they don't really understand the GOP really doesn't understand Mitch McConnell and the kind of. He's he's very savvy in the sense of he is about power maintenance, like maintaining your your authority in power. And if that means you have to swing just a little to the right versus like the barn door kicking all the way open to the right, yeah. mm-hmm. he is going to be that person because he knows that moderate conservatism wins extreme conservative conservatism yeah leads to like big time swings in voter appeal. And that's where you see him. That's where you see him really push back against the January 6th narrative that it was all a hoax. And it was just a friendly like protest. He sees the majority of people saying, no, this was actually some bullshit. And him siding with that, makes him more appealing to other folks, maybe like middle of the road voters like, Oh, Mitch is not such a bad guy, but he's also the same one who tries to like strip all of your money away from you. I'd argue modern conservatism is the winning. Like it's probably the most popular agenda in the country, which it's not a good thing. I'm just saying that like, I feel like a moderate conservative is the one who wins the most, not now. Like I think those, those things are starting to fade, but because, like, I mean, you know, they cannibalize themselves to the point where they, they are like Marjorie Taylor Greene is on the, a major committee. She was leaving Congress like, like, what, two weeks ago um, when Kevin yeah. McCarthy was out? Like, I mean, like, full scale, out of time there. So um, I don't know. So it, to get, getting back to this Trump thing, um, I have been the person very much kind of going like, there's no way he's never going. He's never going to get fingerprinted and have to do a perp walk and get a mug shot and all that. It's never going to happen. You won't see it starting to think it might happen. I mean, it could don't get me wrong. Like it could very much. There's been a lot of smoke around this so far. And 
I'm I'm curious to see what happens. I don't necessarily think it's going to be as extreme as what people are thinking, but I mean, if they've got real like evidence of crimes and provable crimes in court, and that's the thing, it's like a district attorney, regardless of where they are, they're not going to take something to court unless they think that they can win. No, you'll screw like you're screwing your career yeah. if you do that. So I feel like if they are going to indict Trump, like they have to have a smoking gun. And on like didn't his lawyer go to jail already for this Stormy Daniel thing? Michael something? Michael Cohen? Yeah. Michael Cohen. Yeah, he went to jail for this thing already. He like for well, giving Stormy like so they have Michael Cohen who's working with the prosecution but also the other component of this. I think Trump's money man also has essentially served as like the giver of information about Trump's financial services. See, I I heard he took a deal, but he didn't have to give anything. I mean, you have to give something for a deal. I th- I think he gave over books, but I don't think he gave. I don't think he like. He, I think he declined to give anything on Trump. I don't know. Um, it seems like a lot of his people are pretty loyal to him, which is crazy. But yeah, Cohen, Cohen. I mean, being his fucking lawyer who executed that deal, it's like, what more do you need? At this point, like his own fucking personal lawyers, like, yeah, I took the hush money and gave it to the fucking porn star. Yeah. Uh, Alan Weisselberg is the guy's name. Yeah, that's um, the guy. Yeah. He went to jail for 15 counts ranging from grand larceny tax fraud to falsifying business records, becoming the latest person to close the 45th president to plead guilty or to be convicted in trial. I mean, it's a like. He's going to serve five months in prison and receive five years of probation in exchange for testifying at the trial of his former co-defendant and longtime employer, the Trump organization. He agreed to pay $1.9 million in back taxes. So, I mean, I'm sure there's something going on here. This is back in August of last year. Yeah, I remember seeing that. And it was, it was a nothing burger for me when I saw it because I'm like, oh, he's not going – he's not giving anything on Trump. So I'm like, you know, for me, that doesn't like it just doesn't register. I'm wondering if they are trying to like essentially try to like connect the dots between the Trump organization and Donald Trump and playing that as the the thing. The information might be still valuable in even without him directly saying like, yeah, Donald Trump told me to do this. That's the fact that it was happening. It like it might be enough to sink him. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I guess we'll find out tomorrow. Maybe in the afternoon. I don't. But, I, I, why would? You, why else would like? Okay, so let's examine for a second. Why would Trump say I'm getting arrested if it's not going to happen, right? Because ultimately, then he like he just looks dumb for saying like I'm. They're gonna arrest me, and then like it just doesn't happen, and it's like, well, then like what were you yelling about then? How does that? How he always does something like I mean I think I've operated under the idea that Donald Trump doesn't do anything. Unless he feels like he's going to benefit from it. What does at this stage of the game, right? It's so early before no one else has really even announced other than Nikki Haley, right? So like we're not go in tigers. the midst of <laughs> go Tigers. We're not, we're not in the midst of election season, right? Where he needs a boost, right? So like what, what would be the point of, of lying and saying, I'm going to be indicted when he's not? I'm wondering if this is less of like an election thing and more of like a, I'm being indicted. I'm being indicted. I need your money so I can defend myself and you and you in the future. Or maybe he's trying to scare them off, but like they're not. That's not going to scare off a district attorney. 
Yeah, I mean, they were they've been planning this for a long enough time that I don't think it's going to scare anybody. I I know that there's a lot of like rumors of people protesting and you're either celebrating tomorrow or you're storming. So, you know, leave them leave leave in the comments below whether you're um celebrating or storming. <laughs> Team storming. <laughs> but I mean, I Trump has done this thing to me where everything I think he says is basically a play for money because that's been his whole MO for the last 20 years is a way to just generate funds out of people that follow him around. I mean, we talked about it earlier on the show, the money that he made off of stop to steal the money he's been making, how much money gets donated to him instead of the GOP. Yeah. And the GOP is like, has no money to elect people, has no money to fundraise for people because Trump just sucks all the oxygen out of the room and doesn't give any money to the RNC. Hey man, you you know what? You you want to fucking make strange bedfellows with this guy? Go ahead. Like that, yeah. that you did it to yourself. I mean, they chose this life. They could have I, I told you in 2016, I, I I said it back then. I said they could have swallowed the fucking pill. And just said, "All right, you know what? Yeah, go ahead, Hillary. Let I'll, I'll fight her, and then in 2022 we can, you know, like Ted Cruz. Remember when Ted Cruz was like, this man, you know, said my wife was ugly, <laughs> said my my father was the Zodiac killer, and also killed JFK. Yeah, I he mean, those his, are kind of hard called, to forget. He called his wife ugly, and then he did that speech. You remember that speech he did oh, at God. at the RNC where he's like." Vote with your conscience. And I was like, is he going to do it? Like, is he going to do like, it? He's going to do it. <laughs> like, is he going to? And they started booing it. And then, like, he cowered, like, a day later and was like, no, I support Donald Trump. Um, So, like, I wonder, you know, like, if would they have been better off if they just, like, cut the head off the snake and back then and didn't let him get power? Because then. You know, and you saw it last in, in you saw it in 2020. He didn't allow anybody to even have a debate because mm -hmm. typically, like, e like even in like 2012, when we all knew that Obama was running again, and like there was no doubt about that, the Democrats didn't need to like hold a debate. We already knew that the incumbent president was going to be the nominee. They still held a debate. Yeah. I mean, because it was a song and it was a it was a dog and pony show. Of but. course it is, but it's allowing people who normally don't get a ton of airtime to get some airtime because obviously after 2012's uh, election is over, they don't have Obama can't run again. So you have to start highlighting maybe some people that could be in the future, give some more airtime to them. He was like, no, like why would we why would we do that? It's going to be about me. It's not about like conservatism. It's about Trump. Yeah. So you you ultimately made your bed with this guy. You know, you got to fucking lay with it. The thing is, though, and I think this is a good question to ask, is do you think the people, the DeSantis's of the world, the Nikki Haley's of the world, and I don't know what other losers are running for president, um, are they going to do anything with this? Like, are they, outside of what DeSantis said, which was kind of like, oh, no, this is really bad, but... Oh, no, this is really bad. Like, do you think Nikki Haley and the Mike Pence's of the world and the Mike Pompeo's of the world, are they actually going to be able to capitalize on this? Or are they so strung up with, like, trying to balance between, like, the new GOP and the Trump GOP 
what do you think their responses are going to be? And maybe we can go down the line and you can give me like a one out of 10. Like, let's start with, let's start with DeSantis. How about okay. that? Like, yeah. what do you think his response is going to be? I think his response is going to be about um, like, and it's going to be funny because he's going to talk about government overreach, which is like hilarious coming from him. Right. Um, but I think he's going to, he's going to keep it kind of in that he's not going to throw in any barbs now. Because it like it doesn't make any sense. It's too early. He's gonna wait until we get. If Trump is still alive and he's still like go, alive in the sense of like in the race, by the time the debates come, that's when he's gonna start throwing fucking haymakers at him. Mm-hmm. But for now, I think he's gonna keep. They're gonna. I think they're all gonna keep it centered to like the Democrats are trying to do socialism by putting Trump in jail. And I, I don't know if they're going to support him. Like, I don't think you're going to hear a lot of people like supporting him, but like talking about whether you like him or not, you have to be scared by this. Right. Yeah. That's, that's the overarching thing is going to be is like, I, hey, I, whether you like Trump or like, do you want Biden to go to jail? Because we could go Biden, go to jail. Like, so like, that's what, that's the tone of it. I think. Okay. How about Nikki Haley? What does she do with this? She says, go Tigers, and then fades into obscurity. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I don't see her saying anything to it, and this is going to be a problem no one, that she no has. No one cares about Nikki Haley. No one cares about Nikki Haley, but also, too, she does is not willing to define herself against other candidates because she thinks that's going to be, like, bad for her. It's like, dog, no one knows who you are. Like, you're yeah. the you were the governor of South Carolina for a while. You were the governor of South Carolina when they still – they still flew the confederate flag over the american flag and then you were the ambassador for the un to the un for one year and then you've been like yeah you've been a disappearing act ever since um michael pence will be critical of trump for sure um he will he will say that i don't know if he's going to say that trump deserves it but he's already been pretty strong about saying that Trump put his family in jeopardy and he's distancing himself and he's providing himself. Pence is actually doing a smart thing. He is providing himself as the real alternative to Trump. And he's basically saying like, no, nah, DeSantis is like the same thing. He's going to eventually say DeSantis is the same, you know, feather of a different bird. Um, I don't even know what that's saying. Um, but he's going to pretty much like outlie that like no see i was a governor and i legislated i did things and this guy he was a real fool and like desantis he's the same fucking guy he's yeah same, he's he's donald trump 2.0 i'm the fucking guy i'm the one who stood up to trump i showed courage under fear I'm, again it's all no 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 i hear that and i also hear it in the the mike pence voice this is also the same person who refers to his wife his mother and can't be mother. the same can't be in the same room with a fucking another woman. Like, don't tell me that you're going to stand up to Trump. I'm, you know that Mike Pence charisma, bro. He's got the Mike Mike Pence riz. Um, a bit of a long shot here, but what do what does Mike Pompeo say? Um, when Mike Pompeo speaks, I hear the Charlie Brown teacher voice. So I don't again. Like a a fart on the radar, pretty much. Yeah, this was also the same guy who thought we were all going to be raptured in 2012. (laughs) That's not that that tracks. Yeah. So, um, 
There you have it, folks. Your 2024 GOP presidential what about, nominee. What about Ted Cruz? What do you Ted think Ted Cruz, Cruz will just say whatever he can for someone to like Me him? Me and Heidi are sick of the Democrats. Like, that, that, that's it's all it's going to be. None of these people are going to say, like, Christy Nome is a forever Trumper. Um, North Dakota. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at this Politico ad or this Politico article right now, and they have all the potential candidates like Tim Scott is in here, too. I'm like, no. Um, And then who are these other clowns that are in here? They have Ted Cruz in here, but he can't win. Asia, Asa Hutchinson, like is that from Utah, Arkansas, Arkansas. No, again, another relevant place. Who cares? Um, Pompeo, Tim Scott, Chris Sununu. I don't even know who that is. He was the governor of New Hampshire. Yeah. New Hampshire's New, New Hampshire's cool if you live in New Hampshire. It's not cool if like you're other people. I was surprised that Larry Hogan came out and said that he would support Trump if he was the nominee. A little surprised by that. I was too, because I thought he was probably the more moderate of all of these clowns. He's very moderate, considering like if you look at the landscape of Republicans, he's very, very, very in the middle. Yeah. But I, I, I thought. I mean, I think he might just be saying that to be like. I think he might be saying that to be the one who says, like, I'm the middle ground guy. And mm. we know enough about middle ground people that they just get swallowed up in the, the noise. They Greg ride Ab- they, they ride the fence so hard they get splinters in their asshole. Yeah. Greg Abbott, Chris Christie. Um Marco Rubio again. Stop doing this. Little, little tiny Marco. Glenn Can Youngkin. They... Glenn Youngkin won because he's afraid of books. And Glenn Youngkin, did you watch that? Um, did you watch that like CNN thing that he did? The I town hall? I tried to watch that and I thought I missed something. He's so fucking boring. Yeah, he is a different kind of stupid. Yeah. Um, Tom Cotton is the most unlikable person in government right now. And last but certainly not least is Rick Scott. Rick Scott is the only person who can do magic with your money. He is the only one who's been able to be responsible for people's money at multiple places and make it disappear. It's pretty amazing. What about what about the Missouri boy? Who's that? What's his what's his fucking face? Um that dumb fucking idiot who's who's we saw him on january 6th he was running away and he gave the the, oh josh hawley josh hawley oh he's a chud josh hallway josh hallway (laughs) (laughs) and he was like see there are other people that were running it wasn't just me it's like yeah dog Dog, these were your people (laughs) people were walking out and you were like booking it like Costanza with the building on fire. You were pushing kids out of the fucking way to get home. <laughs> he pulled. He went full Costanza. You never go full Costanza. Yeah, I would imagine he's also the guy that just eats donuts out of the trash. God, like he's in that senatorial break room, and someone just tosses out like the day old Krispy Kremes, and he's like, "Financial conservatism, baby." See, I was going to say he looked. I was going to say he looks like a guy who's into autoerotic uh, asphyxiation. He does have a long neck. <laughs> <laughs> we get that long neck. 
<laughs> Senator Holloway, what does that neck do, sir? <laughs> I am, in fact, trying to see what that neck do. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, so I guess we'll find out tomorrow whether yeah. um, the world is going to be a normal place or we're going to be living a perpetual January 6th. But either way, we'll have fun. Fucking A. I wish I was in the city that day. I want to I be part of it. I mean, people are probably just rioting in the city because of stuff. So I saw the Proud Boys were there earlier today. Getting their asses beat. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's it. a great sign. Um, okay, on to a new topic. And so we had mentioned um, the art of the wokeness earlier in this episode. By the way, if you haven't subscribed yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. Do us a favor. Hit the subscribe button, like it, copy the URL and send it to all your friends. Send it to your mother who doesn't have an iPhone. Doesn't matter. Just send it to folks. And, and very also, important, download episodes on Apple. Download. I don't care if you listen to it. Just download it. Yeah. The other thing we can do is also book a deal with Apple where like the U2 album, we just send it to your phone. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. <laughs> There is no cell phone consent these days. You get what we tell you to get. Fucking right. Um, But we talked a little bit about like um, the whole conversation around wokeness. And one of the things that has come up last week was Bethany Mandel. Um, Bethany Mandel is a noted journalist and um, writer of a book called, oh Jesus, what's the name of this thing? Um, it's it's an it's an interesting book to say the least. The title is One for the Ages. Um, where the fuck is this thing? They gave her a fucking Newsweek article. Oh, I read it. It's hilarious. So the name of her book is called Stolen Youth: How Radicals Are Erasing Innocence and Indoctrinating a Generation. Basically, it's a book about like wokeness and how it's ruining our kids, like how television and hula hoops and like you know, any other fad Game Boys and Tamagotchis were going to ruin youth. Um, and so she was on an episode of the website. The Hill has a show called Rising and Brianna Joy Gray, who is a former press secretary for Bernie Sanders, who has gone the way of uh, resistance left. Essentially, she is gone. If anybody know if anybody's into leftism lore. Jimmy Dore, uh, those types, uh, the people who are trying to get Nancy Pelosi out of Congress and hates AOC and hates all those people, hates Bernie Sanders type. Um, so, yeah, she's she's gone full crazy. Yeah. So um, the, I think it was probably like the last question of that show where Bethany yep. Mandel was being interviewed. It's like, can you define yep. what woke is for us? And mm-hmm. Deer in headlights. Absolutely, completely lost in the sauce where had no idea how to respond to the question and even had the self-awareness to say, like, this is going to be a moment that makes me go viral. The whole point of it was this woman wrote an entire book on Mm -hmm. wokeness and still was not able to actually put together words that were made sense to define what wokeness (coughs) was. And... 
she was properly roasted for it on the mm-hmm. internet and has come out effectively as a victim of like, well, I'm being bullied now. Like, no, lady. You wrote a whole fucking book about this and you couldn't define what it was. Yeah, and it's like if you're going to do press tour for your book, like this is I've been screaming at like the TV forever for someone to go ask that question. So I'm not going to give Brianna Joy Gray too many fucking points here because, you know, I, I I'm not a fan of hers. Um and having Bethany Mandel on your fucking show in the first place is crazy. But the 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 point being though is that like why aren't we asking these people what these things mean mm-hmm. like because like you're di- like oh m&m's woke you know everything is fucking woke and it really we all we all know what they mean by woke right like it's it's they can't say certain words so they just call it woke because that's socially acceptable right now um it's co-opting a term that like was started by the the black community in the first place as of like understanding what's at play, right? Like understanding that, you know, the the societal impacts of things that, you know, happen to a certain group of people, just being hyper aware of those things, right? Being woke. And they're taking it and they're using it to their own, you know, they're using it for their own terms. But it's it's such a blanket thing that they can just say to anything. And like finally someone fucking asked him, what does this mean? I don't know. It's just woke. <laughs> you know, yeah. And fucking she sucks so bad. So Ken Klippenstein, if anybody doesn't know Ken Klippenstein, one of my favorite fucking uh Twitter followers by far. Uh not followers. Um he's a journalist. He works for The Intercept. And he basically went through her feed and must have like bookmarked like a shit ton of them that are batshit insane. And he just started retweeting everything. And each one, Tom, each one got worse, right? Oh, they were significantly worse. It was talking in like a lot of them were back in like 2009 and 2010 and 2012 when people were not really paying attention a lot to Twitter. But my God, man, like this woman had a stream of consciousness that would make anybody generally concerned of like, what the fuck is happening in your house? Um, I am on Ken's, I'm on Ken's um, page right now. Tweets a lot. She finally blocked, she finally blocked him. She did. Yeah. What an absolute clown. Um, Yeah. So the the biggest thing that was probably the most concerning as far as uh, she she wrote an article about like how and I I, I didn't bother to read it because I, I don't I don't really care enough, but it's so funny there like just by reading what she wrote, she basically talked about how she like allowed her mom to yeah so I watched so this is from November second two thousand fourteen, I watched my mom die, I took her off life support before we knew if she would survive because I had a choice to do it then. And that's a fucking link to like a book. In the last chapter of the book, I tell the story of my mother's death in detail for the first time. Trolls think they found the mother load of reveal with an old tweet in order to accuse me of killing my mom. I did, sort of. Dog, what? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's all racist stuff too. It's like, 
Like it's a lot of her just being a Karen and like saying like I screamed at this person today and they gave me a refund and then fired the employee. Great day, you know. It's like it's shit like that. It is. She is just batshit insane. By the way, Tom, I don't know if you saw. She said that the reason why she froze was because earlier on a hot mic, Brianna Joy Gray and her producer were demeaning parents. Oh, I can read the. I, please, I have the Newsweek article pulled yes, up, and please. I read it this morning, and I was like, "This is like the biggest piece of bullshit." And the Newsweek should be like deplatformed for even writing, letting this happen. So. On Tuesday, March 14th, my husband was working from home while my seven-year-old and nine-year-old children worked through their homeschool checklist. By the way, she homeschooled her six kids. Shocking. Yeah. I put my newborn down for a nap while I logged on for an appearance with the Hills YouTube show, Rising. Right before we went on air, I heard one of the hosts speaking about parents in what I perceived to be a negative way. I panicked. You fucking snowflake. (laughs) <laughs> Over my career as loud and proud breeder, I would never refer to somebody who I was married to as such. I have often felt attacked by the left and braced myself to be ambushed on air about my own choices as a mother of six children. Throughout the entire interview, I felt a panic attack growing, but just tried to get through the duration of the appearance without an incident. As we talked, I was stammering and trying not to set traps for myself. I did not want to open up questions about my personal life. Finally, I was left speechless at one question, the basic definition of the word woke. (laughs) Now, the rest of the article reads like this person has survived walking through the desert for 50 days. Um, But it's just there's just zero fucking self-awareness here. And as soon as that whole situation came out, Q, she was immediately on Twitter, like saying that um, saying that whole shtick about that, like the producer and the anchors were demeaning towards parents. Like, I thought this was the generation of Republicans that were like bootstrapped and they didn't care what people think. And they're out here just like doing their own. This is like the softest shit I've ever read. Yeah, stop being a fucking like snowflake. I have had worse things told to me standing in the line at like an Arby's than (laughs) she probably heard. They've got the meats. And ultimately, too, like who cares what? And you know what it probably was? Like, man, that person was stupid. And it's like, oh my God, they have kids and they're stupid. That can't happen. Everybody needs to be loved. Like, you went on a left, you went on a leftist podcast and you're like shocked that they're not like and I and I I think Brianna Joy Gray like has talked about not having kids, like so I like you know, clearly a different person, right? Yeah. Like one person has six kids married, or the other person I don't think is married or or is married and doesn't have kids. Of course you're going to have opposing viewpoints. Like, are you so like weak that you can't like argue against the position of like you who has six children, you can't argue for the fact of like, no, it's great. Actually. Like, I think you're wrong. And you're demeaning. What does the mean mean? Like, and like, they're like, what are they calling you a breeder or something? (laughs) Like, come on. She called herself a breeder. Nobody said that. Weirdo. And I think this is the problem that folks like, Bethany Mandel have is that it's so easy to get away in the the left the right wants to talk all about like the liberal echo chambers and shit like that mm-hmm. but yep. 
folks like Bethany Mandel and her husband and all of the other Seth, folks. Seth that Mandel. Yeah. All of those people live in an equal, if not worse, echo chamber where a simple question like that will get this person shook Yep, and like on Twitter immediately blaming everybody else for this. Like you wrote an entire goddamn book about wokeness. You <laughs> should be able to remember a part of what you fucking wrote. Oh. These people are just stupid. And it's, I don't know. It's incredible. And I don't, and honestly, I, I'm typically pretty mindful of what I say about people, but a lot of these folks weaponize this language mm-hmm. to hurt like marginalized populations. A lot of these people Always. use the word woke as yeah. like, the sharp end of saying like equality is not something that everybody can have. And learning about history is somehow detrimental to like the classically white, classically like heterosexual, classically nuclear family oriented people. Like you need to stop making this about you. It's like that meme where it's the person staring in the mirror and it says, you get in there and you make this about you. (laughs) It's my, one of my favorites. Um, you're going to get in there. You're going to make this about yourself. Yeah, it's it's rejecting. They're afraid of the implications of what will come out if we accept as a society that marginalized communities, communities in this country have been systematically oppressed, right? So if we believe that when it comes to water, like clean water, housing, um, voting rights, right? General health care. Yeah, going to the doctor and expecting a reasonable amount of care for a person who's literally has a credo do no harm and we see that black women especially are like the biggest like uh victims of these type of things especially medical care um understanding your medical autonomy if they agree to those things that like these things are real they feel that there's going to be an implication that somehow they have to do something about it and they do they have to accept these things and understand that we need to all kind of realize that like this is we're all going to accept this and we're all going to talk about it and we're going to do things to try and avoid it ever happening in the future or at least like try and dampen the fucking horrible results that come out of these things. But to accept it means that like they have to accept like guilt of some sort, which you fucking don't. You're not a fuck unless you're a doctor or a real estate you know, fucking person who's like discriminated against people. You don't have to, you can just say like, yeah, that's kind of fucked up. We should do better. We need to teach our kids to be better with this. It's all it is, but they, they can't even do that because they feel like, you know, oppression feel like, you know, like equality feels like oppression. If you are the person who's doing the oppressing, right. You know, it feels like if your status is even lowered a little bit, that's oppression. Yeah, it's like it's just bringing you to a level with everybody else. So, yeah, she I'm clearly Bethany has probably come from an affluent family and has grown up in either middle or upper middle class her entire life and is just trying to make sure that she maintains her status. She doesn't want her status to be in question. And that's the funny thing about it, too, is that when you have somebody who is like anti-equality in this faction it's 
they start to think in the back of their head, well, I cannot support this because if everybody has equality, it means that I got there because somebody else was not allowed to. It's a hard thing to accept. Yeah. Like I got into this school, not on my own merits, but because they just like capped the line at everybody of either a certain demographic or a Mm -hmm. certain ethnicity. They like chopped the line and I made it in or they cut those people out and I got in that way. And that's the problem these folks have to deal with is like, you need to acknowledge the fact that your privilege got you somewhere. It didn't get you everywhere. It might not have gotten you everywhere. It could have. It could have, certainly. But it might not have gotten you everywhere, but it did get you somewhere. Tom, and- we're, we're, we're two white guys in our 30s here, right? We're both from Long Island. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been harassed by the cops? Um, harassed? You know, I mean, like, like pulled over and questioned for doing nothing. No. Me neither. No. I've barely been pulled over in my life. Like, not, like, barely. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, like, I don't know what that's like. You know, and I, so I, I, I like, that's why I think like to expect that, you know, how somebody else lives their life is insane, like, or like what they go through. So it's like for someone who's like, who likes to categorize something as, as woke, just to ignore the societal shit that goes on in front of them to like kind of plug their ears or like do like when an ostrich, you know, stick your head in the fucking sand and ignore people. Uh, stop and frisk us we go style <laughs> well that's because you're a bunch of fucking degenerates in college so i kind of support the uh local i was just there. living my truth q <laughs> i want to point out though my favorite tweet um tom just because this was my favorite one that made me laugh the hardest sure hit me um august 31st 2021 i think our cleaning ladies were more excited about our new baby's birth than most of our family members god oof no one cares about your kids. No one cares about your kids. No one. Don't show me pictures of you. Like, unless you like are a really close friend or a family member. Don't show me it. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it was cool. Like for the first one. Okay. Yeah. There's a second one. Yeah. All right. A third. All right. Um, a fourth. <laughs> we're still Stop doing it. this. <laughs> Stop it. Five. I feel like we're getting a pattern here. Six. If, you're, right, if you I'm, are not, if you're like a casual friend, don't show me your kid. I don't want to see pictures of your kids. Like yeah. unless you are a close friend or a family member, don't show me your kids. I yeah. don't want to see it. Oh, Bethany's pregnant again with her sixth <laughs> child. All right. Where are we going to, for dinner tonight? Yeah. Like, this is not news anymore. Feels like an Arby's night. <laughs> so um, congrats, Bethany. You, yeah. You've been canceled um, for trying to cancel people and, you know, may you live in witness protection your entire life because, you know, you soft like that. Um, soft. Moving on to something that's a little bit more fun. I want to get into um, Q. You wanted to talk about free agency and where we stand in the NFL now. Yep. Um, I think this is a, this is a interesting time and I'm going to speak as a Washington commandos fan right now. Mm-hmm. It seems like the sale of the Mandos is imminent. Um, yeah. Danny Snyder and his old lady had to take all their U-Haul boxes and they had to move out of the basement of the training facility a couple weeks ago. Um, there's also been a lot of smoke around Bezos buying the team, but also um, Magic Johnson has joined another like potential buyer, the Josh Harris buyer group. Nice. So, um, 
might we be moving away from the nightmare of the Dan Snyder era? Who knows? Um, but all going to happen. all like indications point to a sale within the next couple of weeks. How so, did you uh, feel about Jacoby Brissett? I mean, I'm good with it. Like, I think, I think if you're talking about like, if we're talking about backup quarterbacks, Taylor Heineke has done some really nice things for the franchise, you know, got him into the playoffs one year. He, they were in the, you know, they were competitive last year when he was playing definitely a locker room guy that people liked, but Jacoby Percet has also started actual games in the NFL. Like people brought him on to be a starter. And when he played in Cleveland, he was good. Like he didn't turn the ball over a whole lot. Mm-hmm. He he played well. It was like seven point one yards. Better than Watson did. He did, yeah. Um, and also people liked him more too. So I I I think he is a backup plus. I still think they are hinging on um, Sam Howell being the starter for the first week of the regular season. I saw who they interviewed for um, quarterbacks in the draft. It's all like the fifth and sixth round guys that we had talked about last week. Like um, nobody who's going to really move the needle, probably just like bringing in a young quarterback for depth. Um, But I thought it was a a great signing. I, I agree. Like he will at least make the, the quarterback competition competitive. He can start games at the beginning of the season and they can transition over. He's going to be a great test for Howell because to get past him, he's not going to be able to just coast. He's going to have to outwork him and beat him. Um, and I, I don't know if you ever heard it. Did you ever hear the story about Julian Edelman talking about um, Jacoby mm-hmm. Brissett? It was the year that Tom Brady got suspended for four games for Deflategate, and they had Jimmy Garoppolo. They had just drafted. They, I think Jimmy Garoppolo and Jacoby Brissett at that point. I think they both drafted in the same year. And he talked about Jimmy won the first two games. He kind of injured himself. Jacoby comes in the third game and plays, and then um, he he won the game. And then I think he like like he tore something in his thumb. Yeah. And then Jimmy was like kind of healthy and like ready to go. And then he decided not to play. And because I he didn't, I guess I don't for some reason, Julian Edelman was like, guys were pissed at Jimmy because like we thought he was gonna play. And I and, and then Jacoby ends up playing and like couldn't throw the ball because yeah. his thumb was so fucked up. And he was just like running and he's like he showed a lot of guts in that game and shit. So it's like it was very complimentary of Jacoby. Not complimentary of Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. Um, Who's now rich and single in Vegas, by the way. I don't know yeah. if that had happened when we recorded last week, but I wish I was as handsome as that guy. God damn, man. Like, yeah. That dude's my dude's living life over there. For sure. Um so uh I think Howell ends up winning the job, but I don't know. Like it's going to be this is going to be a good test for him because I think like to beat out Jacoby Brissett's not going to be easy. So this you are going to get a good idea of where they actually believe Sam Howell is. So if he ends up walking away after this then that's great. So but I yeah. I, I like Howell. I like Howell. Yeah. I mean, I think we are all Sam Howell people on the show. Um and ultimately I think some of the the offensive line moves that they've made over the last couple of weeks are just shoring up some of the deficiency areas that they had. I would have hoped yep. they had made a little bit more of a splash 
from the offensive perspective, because I still don't love their offensive pieces. Like they have good running backs and they have Terry McLaurin. I'm not still, I'm still not really sold on the other wide receivers. Jahan Dotson's nice, but he he's like a seven, slot. He had, he had like seven touchdowns and then his rookie. He year. had a lot of broken plays too. So I would be, I'm a little concerned of that. And my concern really comes from like, are we going to do another year of, a converted quarterback to tight end playing who has been hurt a couple of years. I, I saw that Dalton Schultz was a free agent and I was like, man, I would like him like to sign to sign today, by the way, where Houston Texans one year, 9 million. Mm. And they also got Devin Singletary too. I mean, good for him, but he had like what? Three years, 36 on the table from Dallas and Amen. That's it. Just goes to, just goes to show. I think they they were talking about Orlando Brown, um, who just signed with the Bengals for like eighteen million a year. Apparently, mm-hmm. the Chiefs had offered him like, I think it was like twenty something million a couple cut uh, like last year, and he he bet on himself, and he did not have the best year ever. So he took a pretty decent haircut because Laramie Tunsil today just got an extension with the Texans, and I think it was like twenty. Five million a year for a twenty-nine-year-old. He's the highest-paid offensive tackle in the league right now, by by a lot, I would guess. Um, he reset the market in a big way, so I'm like, I'm pissed because Andrew Thomas is twenty-four for the Giants, and he's coming up next year, most likely for an extension. Like, it's he's going to be making like thirty million a year, three years, seventy-five. Jesus Christ! I'll also say too that. Um, um, Adam Thielen had a nice payday too. What did he get in Carolina? He got like three years, 25. Oh, I wouldn't have done that. A lot of it's guaranteed too. I would not have done that. I think the reason why they did that, they were talking about in the Pat McAfee show today that they, he probably did that because there's a lot of uncertainty with three years, 25 million. And there's a, decent chunk of that that's guaranteed. There's a lot of uncertainty around who the quarterback is going to be. And they wanted to land a, like a solid receiver since they traded DJ Moore away. They wanted to get somebody who was consistent. I don't know if that's the guy though. He kind of, he kind of looked cooked the last few years. Well, he had two seasons of over a thousand yards and everything else has been pretty. Isn't he already like 32 at this point? He's kind of old. Like he's been in the league for a while now. He's got to be like 31, 32 years old. He's no way he's in his 20s anymore. Mm-mm. No, no. Um, he's 32. Yeah. Yeah. 32. Been in the league so. for nine years. Um, he had those two really big seasons with, let's see. 2018 and 2019. Those were thousand yard seasons. Really big years. 2016. He'll be 33 at the start of the season, by the way. Yeah. 2020, so. 74 catches, 925 yards, 14 touchdowns. Um, but the numbers go down. He, I mean, he was under 1,000 yards in 2020, but he had 14 touchdowns. So he scores a lot of touchdowns. But, like, even yeah. last year he had six, which is not terrible. But I mean, he's pretty, he's somewhat durable. But like over the last few years, he's just been kind of weird. So, I'm wondering if that's more of just a, um, is it Jordan Jefferson effect? 
Justin. Justin Jefferson. Um, Maybe, but like I don't know. I feel like they throw the ball a lot in Minnesota, so it's like I feel like you should still be getting. And if if and and honestly, like if Justin Jefferson's on the other side, he's going to maintain that like double coverage. You should be able to get. You know, it's about getting open. So yeah, I just he was never the best, like the biggest separator either. He was never the fastest guy ever. So I don't know. I, it's it's kind of a weird move for a team that's kind of like starting over. It's like it reminds me of remember when the Giants like when remember when Dave Gettleman traded Odell Beckham um, after giving them a massive. Extension? How could we forget? Yeah, and then and then like they did get some cap savings from that, and you're like, okay, we're gonna be going in the hole, right? Because we suck. And then he gets Golden Tate like three years, nine million a year, and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, man? You're like he's a thirty year, he's like a 29, 30 year old dude. I'm like, why are you giving him? Like starter money, like this is insane. Like just draft somebody and hope that they catch fire. It's just, it feels like that. Yeah, I, I wonder because that outside of him, like think about what's left on that offense, which is effectively nothing. Like they've stripped mm-hmm. away at all. They've traded. I Christian like Chenault. I like yeah, Chenault. Chenault's good, but he's still like a two or three like years yeah. in the league. He's pretty young. Yeah, they have no quarterbacks right now. They have Andy Dalton. Well, they will after April. Woo. Have a quarterback, but they also have no other offensive weapons. Thielen, yeah. Chenault. I mean, Chuba Hubbard. Um, I mean, there's not a lot of like leadership there, and I'm wondering if it's more of like a leadership signing rather than like it's an intangibles yeah. rather than like athleticism. I don't, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in leadership signings. I think it's dumb. It's like when again, go back to Dave Gettleman here. 2018, he takes a job. What was the first signing he made? He signs Jonathan Stewart to a two-year, $6 million contract. We knew he was drafting Saquon Barkley. Why would you sign Jonathan Stewart? If, he, if Saquon Barkley is going to play 85 to 90% of the snaps, you're giving guaranteed money to a 30-year-old running back. For what? And then, like, C.J. Anderson had signed later in the, in the offseason, and he got, like, one year, $2 million, and he ended up having that amazing year that year. Um, and then like, you know, he just, it's, I can go on and on about Dave Gettleman. Leadership signings don't really work in the NFL because it's a capped league, no. right? It's a salary yep. cap league. It makes sense in baseball and in basketball where you don't necessarily have to play these guys all the time. Right. Like Jawan right. Howard made like an, an incredible career, like high-fiving people on the heat's bench. Haslam Haslam for the heat right now. Yeah. I mean, he's been there forever. Yeah. And he's, He's been a contributor for them, but for the NFL, just given it's a capped league, but also money is tight every, yeah, that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense for me. But, you know, all that being said, just going back to the commandos, like they haven't made a ton of splashy moves right now, but I also don't know if there was a lot to be made out there. Um, Yeah. I mean, they, they signed two offensive linemen, which was nice. They got one of them from the chiefs, which, Makes sense because Eric Bieniemy, um, they're able to hang on to Deron Payne, which is nice. Um, but they have a lot of money invested in their front seven, particularly in the front four. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was reading some of the draft stuff on the Mandos, and it's all like cornerbacks and defensive backs that they're really yeah. looking at. So, I mean, I think the bigger story here is no longer if, but when the team is going to be officially sold. And I don't know when the I don't know when the draft is. Is that next week? No, it's uh, it's the end of April. So last week in April. Okay. Um, 
I don't imagine it happening before then. It's going to take time. They might announce something, but like it's not going to like get done before right. then. But yeah, no, it's going to happen. Like there's it's it's only a matter of time before Dan Snyder's gone. Like and he knows it. He's just trying to get every penny on the way out that he can. Yeah. And I know that there's that NFL investigation is going into month 14, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not looking good at this point. Like when was the last time there was a 14 month investigation of somebody not named Donald Trump that ended up just being, Oh, never mind. This wasn't a huge deal. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's not going to, it's, it's not going to go well for him. Um, I'm, I'm surprised it hasn't happened already. He must have some kind of dirt on uh, the NFL owners that like he's kind of protected himself. So I don't know. I want to talk about the giants though, because all right, Joe Shane, the God, um, just having a great off season. And, um, I I'm really, 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 really happy with the results so far. And the biggest, uh, signing was Bobby Okereke. Um, just unbelievable signing. Um, he was a Colts linebacker four years in the league. He's only 26. He'll be 27 by the time the season starts. Young investing in young players, four years, forty million, which is not an overpay as far as I'm concerned. Um, last year, Bobby Okereke had 151 tackles. He is a tackling machine. Giants linebackers were just such a huge um, attacking the needs. This is what you do in in the free agency. You attack your needs so that in the draft you can get best player available. Um, so I really love the addition of Bobby Okereke. Uh, exactly the type of guy, run and chase linebacker that they needed. Um, not settling for just like, you know, the dregs that they had on there. And uh, we lost Nick Gates, uh, which obviously sucks. He went to uh, the commandos solid player. I, you know, I'm not too upset about it. Um, I I figured they probably were going to let him go. Uh, And then the money was a little bit high for him. Three years, 16.5. I, I was not really, I was, once I saw the numbers, I was more comfortable with him going. We lost Julian Love as well, who was a real solid player for this team. Really good locker room guy too. But I understand that they're going to have to spend a lot of money on Xavier McKinney soon. So they don't want to have like a ton of money uh, vested into the safety room, especially because safeties are typically been pretty cheap lately. And I, I don't think he was a perfect fit either for what Wink Marwindale want to do. But bringing back Darius Slayton, um, he has his issues with his drops, but productivity from a guy who was a fifth-round pick a couple years ago, since that, among those guys that came out, he's been one of the more productive receivers. And, like, you can book that he's going to get at least 700 yards in the season. Like, it's almost a guarantee. So I'm really happy they brought him back. He has He was drafted the same year as Daniel Jones. They've been kind of together since then. He had more money on the table somewhere else. But he wanted to come back, uh, so I love I like guys like that. He's always, and he by the way, good dude. He was buried on the depth chart in the beginning of the season. He took a pay cut to stay, hmm. and he said he did it because he's like he cost himself with a hamstring injury, and he took blame for that and said I kind of cost myself some time with the hamstring injury. So he's like I wanted to do right by them. And he got two years, twelve million, which I think is fair for a guy who could be a number two receiver on another team. Like receiver market is so inflated. Um, but the big star was Paris Campbell, 
um, <clears throat> former Ohio State receiver. He was a Colts receiver. You look at guys like that who have all this talent and like I just never really put it together because like you look at the quarterback situation since he entered the league. I mean, Andrew Luck gone, Carson Wentz, Philip Rivers, Matt Ryan. He actually had his best year last year. He is a speedy fucking dude. Um, I think he's top five in uh, miles per hour generated on on a uh, on a run. Like I think like he hit like the like, he's like the fifth highest miles per hour. So he's got speed, mm. and that's the thing that the Giants have been kind of focusing on. They back, brought back Matt Breda on a on a cheap deal. It seems like they really don't care about getting like oh he's a slot guy, you know like they, he doesn't care. They're going to put chess pieces and they're going to want speed. Yeah. So that seems to be the the kind of the trend. Um, and then, you know, like bringing in uh, a Paris Campbell, bringing back a Matt Breida, bringing in Bobby O'Karake on defense. These are all guys that are fast. They want to play fast and loose. So do you think there's going to be anything in the tank for Sterling Shepard? Like, what do you think is they're going to get from him? I think they I think that is kind of a leadership signing because they like having him in that room. He is extremely productive when healthy, and he was having a great season last year before the fucking turf monster got him. By the way, Giants have ripped up the old turf. Good for them. Uh, at life. So um, thankfully, we will be getting a new turf. Um, I I don't know. I don't know. But it's it, there's no guarantees on the deal. So if by the time the season rolls around, he's not healthy, they can they can move on from it with no you know money attached to it. But I wouldn't be surprised if he jumps onto the coaching staff um afterwards like he just seems like a good guy to have smart kid his dad was a legacy player you know so like i like i like bloodlines i like guys who had parents play in the league um just i don't know it's just one of those things for me i just like um so i i really love shep and i, I didn't want him to leave so i'm glad he's back yeah i feel like we're burying the lead a little bit here with the big time acquisition that happened last week with darren waller like yeah that yeah. was huge. Like that's yeah. that can we not necessarily with the giants cause we can get to them, but like mm -hmm. that whole situation with the Raiders was so odd. Like they yeah. signed him to an extension, mm -hmm. I think last year and we're trying mm -hmm. to trade him during the year to green Bay. Green Bay offered a second round pick for him. Oof. And they said no. And then apparently he uh, this so I don't know if you've heard about like what snowballed with them the reason why they traded them now mm -mm. apparently um he was waiting to now he married Kelsey Plum who is a WNBA player and congratulations to them um Mazel Mazel <laughs> apparently Josh McDaniels in an interview said oh and he's getting married to Kelsey Plum. And he was like, we were waiting to announce that after the wedding. So apparently there were all it was already friction between them. So that kind of like may have been the ultimate thing that kind of ruined the relationship. So they ultimately settle for a compensatory pick in the third round, which was, by the way, the Kadarius Tony pick. So the Giants Joshi chess, baby. Joe Shane took the third round pick from the Chiefs that he got in regard regards for the Cantari Tony. By the way, also got a sixth round pick, and then flipped that for Darren Waller. And like everyone's like, "Oh, Darren Waller, he's been injured, injured. He's had no surgeries, and they've been hamstring injuries." 
do we think that maybe he kind of like took last year and maybe was like, fuck this guy. I'm not, this team sucks. I'm not going to waste my time here. This signing is brilliant. And I'm going to tell you why this trade was brilliant. Darren Waller is set to make $11 million this year. When healthy, you can book him for a thousand yards. What other receiver in the league are you getting for a thousand yards at $11 million? It's almost impossible. It's yeah. just because of how the tight end market, the wide receiver market is overinflated as far as how much money these guys are making. The wide receivers in this draft, a couple of them I like, not great. It's definitely not last year. Joe Shane said, I'm going to get myself a guy that I know can contribute to this offense right, right away. And ultimately is not going to cost me really anything as far as financials and trade compensation. But also remember the giants had the biggest problem is they couldn't attack the middle of the field. Who's going to attack the middle of the field. Fucking Darren Waller is just going to run seam routes pretty much up the middle, which is going to free up Saquon Barkley as well. Because the fact that you have to account for Darren Waller, just hitting the seam. So you can't just play up on the line of scrimmage. You can't do it. So it is going to free up, um, I think, the run game a lot. Uh, so although he doesn't directly contribute in blocking, um, I think he's also going to help uh, the you know the young guy that we have a tight end that they, they really like. So Bellinger, yeah, Bellinger, yeah. So I, I I think it was a home run and one pick. They still have ten picks in this draft, so they they're not going to be free of of anything else. So, but then also they they. Brought in, uh, uh, his name is Rakeem Nunez Rochez. Uh, they call him Nacho. Um, and I don't know if they signed him today, but Ashawn Robinson was coming in for a visit. They clearly saw that they were getting torched in the run game. If you watched the Philly game, you saw it. Mm-hmm. So they're bringing in people that are going to help spell Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams a little bit and, um, and just kind of help with the run game. So just really smart, coordinated moves by, by Shane that is making it easier for them in the draft that they don't have to force the issue anywhere. Yeah. There's nothing official yet, but there's a, a ton of articles saying that he's meeting with the giants and has met with the giants. I'm a little concerned that it's kind of late in the day and we haven't heard anything. Um, but uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, I don't, I don't think he has any other uh, meetings as of right now. So. Yeah. I mean, I think, these are all like solid signings. And these are the things you want to see from a team that's like slowly moving the needle back and knows they have the confidence in like, we just need these pieces in place, but we also have all these draft picks that we can go out and find like the generational talent. Um, I am. I just want to go back to the Dalen Waller thing. Like, yeah. How, if I'm a player, and there is either a former New England Patriot coach on the staff or former New England like general manager or player personnel person on the team. I am very fucking worried because yeah. all of these guys are just. Well, Brian Dable not- is a former Belichick guy, by the way. Well, he's a former a lot of places guy. Yeah, he's also yeah, a former Saban guy too, which I trust is, yeah. a little bit more because Saban has been actually been able to show the guys that leave the Saban sphere are actually pretty productive when they get out there. Joe when Judge leave, was the Saban guy too, though. Yeah, but I mean Kirby Smart was also. So that's true. 
That's true. I mean, the thing is, though, is like all of these guys that were in like the management side and the player personnel and the scouting side for the Patriots, they've all gone places and have not done well. And then you also have Josh McDaniels, who's in his second act of being not a good coach. And I just, I'm hoping that we move past this like stage of the NFL where if you are connected to Belichick in some way, shape, or form, like you sat next to him on a bus one day, you're immediately a genius. Um, and we had a little bit of that when it was, um, who's the coach for the Rams? Um, oh, Sean, Sean McVay. Yeah, we had a little bit of the Sean McVay sphere thing where like young hotshot coach. Yeah, and all the guys on his roster or on the all the guys on his coaching staff got signed. Now, granted, LaFleur has been pretty good. That's a Shanahan thing though. Yeah. So that so it's more of a Shanahan thing than a McVay thing, but the results have been pretty good of the Shanahan tree. So the, you have Mike McDaniel in Miami. You got McVeigh. Um, McVeigh. You have uh, who else? Uh, LaFleur. Matt LaFleur. And so, I mean, that's been pretty prosperous. The thing is, though, is like the Belichick tree comparative to all the other ones, like the Andy Reid tree or Andy Reid tree's been good. Um, the Pete Carroll one or Not the bad. Parcells tree or the Shanahan's. Yeah. Those have all been sign- or even the Mike Holmgren tree, too. Which was, like, I like the Mike Holmgren one. That's Andy Reid, really. Yeah, it's Andy Reid. It's Steve Mariucci. It's mm-hmm. John Gruden. Yep. With an with an email account. Tell um, you what, man. I love, <laughs> I love I love football, man. I don't um, tell you, man. But all of those guys actually grew like mentored people to be coaches. Belichick just mentors people to be like mindless zombies. Like yeah, and none of them are any good. And if I'm an owner or like a team president and the hot name in coaching free agency or the coaching market is somebody who is on the Patriot staff, I am immediately like jumping out of a window to not sign that person. Yeah, no, I know. I know it's um, I think people kind of like just look at the brilliance of Bill Belichick and they're like, well, yeah, if he's surrounding himself with brilliant people. And he realized like he surrounds himself with utility guys. Like he wants guys around him that will do a certain job that in the way that he wants it to do. But like how much, how much input do you have as like a Patriots assistant? It's, it's Bill Belichick's show. Right. So I, I don't know. And like also the brilliance of Bill Belichick has been kind of in question lately. I mean, again, they, they, they let Kendrick Bourne go. And then for about the same amount of money. They also they weren't playing him at all last year too, which is also weird. But then they take that same amount of money that he made and they give it to Juju. And I'm like, well, I, I don't know. I, again, I, I I have questions about, and they signed Mike Isecki to a one-year $9 million deal. It just, I mean, the same amount of money that Schultz got, it just seems off to me. But I don't know. We'll see. Bill O'Brien's back, and I think that's going to help um, the, the Patriots. So we'll see. And it's funny because Bill O'Brien is probably one of the more productive people from that tree. Mm-hmm. But he's also gotten a little Saban seasoning as well. He also has a lot of controversy to him because he was the one, like the minute, like he kind of went full Chip Kelly. Once they gave him a little bit of power, he went with it and he fucking threw them into the ground. So, yeah. So if you're looking to completely detonate a team and start over again, I would recommend hiring somebody from the Patriots. Yep. I mean, um, all the guys from the Texans are 
Patriots front office folks, right? Nick Casario, who is like the uh, I think player the personnel, vice or... president of player personnel. He's he's now there as the GM. Oh no, wait, no, yeah, yeah. So Nick Casario is there. He, uh, the Raiders got uh, Ziegler. That's what yeah. I was thinking of before. Ziegler is the Raiders GM, and he's a he's a Patriots guy too. Yeah, they're they're all over the place, and and the results are mixed. I like what the Texans are doing. Um, I think the signings they've made have been pretty damn good. I mean, getting Devin Singletary on a one-year deal, getting uh, Dalton Schultz on a one-year deal, trading away Brandon Cooks really sucks, but um, I, he was done with them. Can someone land on the Eagles, please? I don't know what you mean by that, Gatto, because I'm glad to see all the Eagles are leaving. There's been a lot of Eagles leaving, so that's been nice. Um, but, um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I, all I'm going to say is that, yeah, you probably should approach caution if you are going after a Belichick person. Like, there for every Brian Dable, there's like a million fucking what's the pencil boy's name? The homeless uh, guy. Yeah, Patricia, Matt Patricia. Yeah. Um, Brian Flores was good, um, but then there's you know Charlie Weiss, Joe Fudge. Yeah, Joe Fudge. Yep, exactly. There's plenty of those goons out there, so. I mean, I guess we'll see what happens. I think I'm still. I don't know if Mac Brown is like a product of that team, just not being good, or he's actually not good. Um, Mac, Mac Jones. Mac. Oh, Jones. I was about to say, I'm like the coach of North Carolina. Mac. Mac is actually not his real name. I'll tell you what his real name is right now. McDonald's. Oh, McCorkle. Ronald McDonald. McCorkle. That's his name? Michael McCorkle Jones. That's not a real name. How the fuck do you get Mac from that? Just call him Michael or Mike. That's a, that's not a real name. That's, um, I, I mean, McCorkle is not in the Bible anywhere. <laughs> I don't see it in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> no. I <don't> like <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't even want to. I, I, I don't even. I don't even want to talk about that because that's like that's some crazy shit. Um, yeah, no, I think Bill O'Brien will be good for him. I think they're going to be fine this year, but like, cause the bills have kind of hit the skids a little bit. Like you can only lose so many times in the same fucking way. Like you get to the playoffs and you're the team to beat and then you suck dolphins though. I mean, they, they look good, man. They've been adding more talent. So I don't well, know. Well, that said, do we want to get into the Aaron Rodgers stuff with the jets? Uh, I mean, it's all, I, I don't, I think it's pretty obvious what's going to happen is that he's going to end like the the Jets and the the Packers neither have leverage like everyone's like oh this person has leverage neither side has leverage they want to get rid of Rodgers and they're trying to get everything they can for him the Jets don't want to pay that much they don't want to give pick number 13 up but like they need him like they can't go into the season with fucking Zach Wilson again it's just they can't Mm -hmm. so like neither side really has that much leverage and they're both trying to like posture and shit so it's like i think it's gonna happen eventually which side breaks i have no clue yeah i am a little surprised that we have gone this far and it has not been settled yet um his darkness retreat and and frankly i honestly if i'm the jets do I really want to go through this again? Like this is a Brett Favre 2.0 situation right now. They do and because they, they 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 have no faith in Zach Wilson. 
I, there's and no I, other options. And, and trust me, I get that. But I think, are you going to get a committed and focused Aaron Rodgers? Is this going to be the Aaron Rodgers that shows up at all the off-season, off-season training camps or off-season workouts to build a rapport with all those young receivers? Or are you going to get the guy that rolls into training camp, kind of plays a little bit in the preseason, is the exact person who he was last year where he didn't build a relationship with any of those young guys. And it showed for like the first four or five weeks of the season. My other concern too, is all those old fucking dudes he wants to bring onto the roster. He clearly hasn't paid attention to the young guys they have there. Apparently Mercedes Lewis on this team. Yeah. He was drafted when I was in high school. Yeah. Apparently he, he said that those were not demands. He clarified and said that those were like, Hey, if you, I would like if you did these, but who knows what he's saying behind the scenes too. Um, yeah, it's it's just stupid. There, I, I told my I have a couple of Jets friends, and my one friend was like, "I we need Rogers," and I'm like, "I I know, but like, you are literally like giving up the farm for him. Like, you're giving him the ultimate control." And it's like, if if he, this was Aaron Rodgers seven years ago. Yes. You're not getting him for cheap if he seven right. years ago. But I said, but the one thing I said was like, I worry anytime someone guy goes, I'm I could retire right now. It's I I worry about that because like it looks like he's kind of out the door. And like if he retires, the, the Packers have to give him like 40 million or 50 million dollars like immediately. So mm-hmm. he does hold a bit of leverage. And like if he only wants to play for the Jets, like that's the thing that needs to happen. He needs to go to whatever I can't pronounce his last name, the Packers GM, Goonkes or something. He needs to go to him and say, like, just get this done. Because like I will retire. I'm not playing for you. So you can pay me $50 million to go away and I'll retire or just trade me to the goddamn jets and get it over with. So I think something, I think somebody needs to finally kind of like shove their chips in the center and go, let's, are we done? Can we get this done already? So, yeah. And, and I agree with you too. Like if you needed five days to sit in pure darkness to figure out if you wanted to play football, that's kind of a sketchy sign for me. But you're, you're you're already halfway out the door. Right. And my and my other thought too is like if this is about truly winning, like if you're serious about winning a Super Bowl, then you're gonna do the exact same thing that Tom Brady did, and you're gonna take a Tom Brady like deal just to go to Tampa Bay and win. Like you're gonna say, My salary doesn't matter. I've made enough money. You just fill the roster with weapons and let's go. And yeah. to me, this is like, well, if I'm going to go, it's going to be worth my time. And it's like, yeah, but Aaron, you're not like everyone keeps saying like he's like he won the MVP two years ago, though, Tom. He also played like shit last year. Yeah, but I mean, he it's not like he won an MVP five years ago. And like, I still think that he's somewhat there, but he has to be motivated. And Gatto I think- said Gatto said he had to defeat Hellraiser in the darkness. <laughs> <laughs> Hellraiser in the shape of Ayn Rand. (laughs) (laughs) It was him and Paul Ryan on their workout in the dark retreat. The last line was, no, now I'm the one that shrugged Atlas. (laughs) I'm the fountainhead now. So I'm. Maybe the fountainhead was one of the friends we made along the way. Yeah. Do you think that deal gets done by because I before think, the draft? Well, I think 
I think the Packers have to trade him when that the next two weeks or all of those incentives kick. I think all those incentives kick in and then it's like a $35 million deal and they don't want to pay that. So no, yeah, it, it it's, they're going to wait for the pressure to set in. And then like the jets are going to be like, what do you want to do? We're the only ones here. Yeah. No one else is going to be here. Um, I still think that the jets go get Lamar Jackson, but you know, who am I? That's the other thing too. Like, that's a proven quality quantity or quality player in the same way that Aaron Rodgers is. I don't know, man. I, 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 I mean, we, talked about it, we, we talked about it last week, so there's clearly yeah. something else going on there, but you know, you're getting a younger player who at this point is more athletic. And if you think about it, over the long term of his career, because all the gambling money for the NFL has not kicked in yet. So you can anticipate the salary cap is probably going to spike in the next two to three years. If you sign Lamar Jackson to like a $230 million deal, you look at that deal in four years, that's peanuts. Yeah, it's true. I don't know why you would spend your time with Aaron Rodgers, who's, kind of 50 50 on whether he wants to play next year i think they with hackett there they, they and they went like they clearly went and got hackett because they they did they pulled the broncos it's just working this time where they hired hackett because they were like oh you know rogers is gonna want to come play for hackett and apparently that did play into it he said that when they just hired hackett that kind of made his made his decision for him yeah but it's like i think he'll be motivated to a certain extent but like if, if they hit the skids early, that's the problem. It, as if the Jets start front running because of the good defense and having all those weapons, he'll be invested. Yeah. If they hit the skids early and like they lose the first two, three, two, three games or go one, one in four, three. Yeah. Expect that he'll probably go in a shell and it's going to get bad. Mm-hmm. And so. I mean, Wisconsin is not the same as New York City. Like, it's certainly not. He will be under more scrutiny than he already has been because of the inoculated thing that he, you know, he can't pull that shit in New York. I was immunized. Immunized. <laughs> oh God. Right. So we're done with that shit. Um, yep. We can talk a little bit about the world baseball cut. It kind of leads into my asshole of the week. If you want me to get started with that. Yeah. Let's do assholes of the week. You can, and that asshole will bleed into I'll, it. I'll be with I'll be real with you. I have not been invested in the World Baseball Classic. I don't really care about it. I know it's kind of catching fire, and the US USA is doing great. They, that Venezuela win was uh, very cool to see Grand Slam uh, walk off. Um, my asshole of the week is going to be KFC Barstool. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know what that is, who that is, congratulations! You are living a very good life. Um, so, for anybody who like obviously Dave Portnoy and you know, Barstool, they are controversial people. So we all know Edwin Diaz, the Mets uh, closer, was injured celebrating after the World Baseball Classic win. And he basically is going to be out for the year at this point. So there's been a lot of contention. I remember I was very mad when Didi Gregorius got hurt in the World Baseball Classic a couple of years ago. Um, and there's been a lot of talk about whether or not people should actually be pay- be playing in this. But I think what people kind of forget is that for guys, especially in like from Dominican or from Puerto Rico, the World Baseball Classic representing your country was more of a big deal for them and it, more than the World Series was because like they didn't really grow up with the World Series. They grew up with the World Baseball Classic and it's representing mm-hmm. their country. 
So it's kind of a big deal for for a lot of these guys. So like I think it's okay as long as the team is okay with them playing in it. I don't think there should be any issue. Now, KFC Barstool, on the other hand, does not agree with that and thinks that people we should stop doing these. He put out a tweet saying, I literally hope every single one of these World Baseball Classic losers has a player on their MLB team get injured tomorrow. I hope there's 29 injured stars and you have all to defend your stupid, worthless, fake takes about a tournament that's fun for five seconds before it's completely forgotten. It's such Asinine. a dumb take. Hoping players get hurt so that you are proven right. Totally great move, buddy. Um, and he, and by the way, he went after Marcus Stroman, Marcus Stroman, the Pats, Mets pitcher, who basically called him an idiot and has called him racist in the past. And then people started digging up old tweets of KFC Barstool that are quite racist. Um, he's also talked really poorly about Edwin Diaz in the past. And now all of a sudden he cares about Edwin Diaz because he's been playing well. So he is one of those typical fans that is fine with you. As long as you're playing well, the minute you start, you know, playing like shit or get injured, racial epithets come out. Um, so again, it's just typical barstool. This is very much the culture that they've kind of uh, issued there. So not very surprising that this would come out. Yeah, I I saw that and I was like, "You're a fucking goon." He's a loser. I mean, I I I think. I have not been following the World Baseball Classic, frankly, because it's not on a channel that I typically go to. Like, I don't watch a lot of Fox Sports 1, not because I don't like the channel, but it's more so there's not a ton of, like, sports programming that I lean to. I don't watch, like, I don't watch Big East basketball anymore. I don't watch any of the stuff that's, like, football is not on FS1. Baseball is not on there. So having to go in that direction is a little bit different for me. It's also, I don't know when any of the games are because I just haven't been paying attention, but that's quite a fucking hot take from him. And to say that the World Baseball Classic is just an opportunity for guys to get hurt is really disingenuous considering how often guys get hurt in baseball. Gavin Lux, yeah, Dodgers um, first baseman or third baseman, Tore his ACL in spring training. Chris Sale fell off his fucking bicycle riding to the stadium yep. and broke his arm last year. Yep. Um, let's see. Sammy Sosa went on the DL because he sneezed wrong and he threw out his back. Terry McCall mm-hmm. Terry McColland um scratched his cornea when a pillow um feather went into his eye like there is weird shit that happens in this and also jose altuve got hurt as well but here's the thing is like i think a lot of these guys are okay getting hurt in a situation like this because at least i don't think there is anymore i don't think baseball is played in the olympics anymore and this is the only opportunity that a lot of these guys have to represent their country at a global scale event um and to say that no one cares about it is just ignoring the amount of people that are watching these games. Like the games in Japan are like huge. There are so many people watching those games because you have Shohei Hotani playing and the, the ratings for the American Cuban game or the U S Cuban game. That was last night. There were like four and a half million views of Trey Turner's home run. To, to win it. It's just, 
I think it's a disingenuous take on his end because he's a bitter Mets fan that they haven't won anything since 1986. And this is what happens when you have a platform and you have no social awareness and you're just a piece of shit. Agreed. That said, Q, have you watched any spring training games? Not really. I've been kind of busy lately. I've been getting the notifications and they lose a lot. The Yankees have been losing a lot. So I'm like, I'm a little, little worried, but it is still early. So I can't like, but the, the injuries have been the problem. Obviously, you know, already our star acquisition has forearm strain, which typically means, you know, Tommy John could be the case. So. Yeah, Rodon getting hurt is not a good thing. And Frankie Montas going down for the year is another tricky one. Yeah. I was going to ask, though, have you come around to the pitch clock? No, I, I, I don't think it's really changed. My, I don't think my perspective really has changed much on it. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll see, see in the season. We'll wait for the season to start. We're what? About a, uh, almost a what? week away. Like the yeah. 28th, I think, is when the season starts. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see in a, in a real game setting, and we'll see after a while if it costs anybody a game or something, then we'll see. But if it if it doesn't have much of an impact on the season, then then it's fine. It's whatever. But The only Yankee highlight I saw was uh, Aaron Hicks pretending to play left I field. I don't know who that is. I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, KFC Barstool. Congratulations. You're the asshole of the week mm-hmm. um, for a cue. Mine is going to be Mario Chalmers, former Miami Heat point guard and noted journeyman basketball player. He was on a podcast earlier um, or last week where he said that nobody in the NBA is afraid of LeBron. And if LeBron had played in the same time that Michael Jordan had played, um, Michael Jordan would have scared the shit out of LeBron and everyone was afraid of Michael Jordan at that time. And I, I, I listened to that comment that Mario Chalmers made. And again, he was answering a question that somebody asked, but he also embellished it a little bit more than he probably should have. When in reality, Mario Chalmers own, owes a lot of his success in his career to LeBron. He owes his two championship rings to LeBron. And I was talking to a couple of folks, friends of the pod, by the way, Philly and Tyler, about this. And I don't know what Mario Chalmers was doing after the heat, but it damn sure was not going to the finals and it damn sure wasn't playing in any meaningful games. And I just... I think there's a lot of slander that goes out for LeBron because he's an easy target because he's one of the biggest, he's the biggest name in basketball and he's been around forever. So people think that they can kind of just take shots at him. But what Chalmers was saying from such an irrelevant player and such a non key factor to those teams, like no one was confusing Chalmers with Dwayne Wade or Chris Bosch. Like no one was seeing him as like, oh, that guy's just as good as Ray Allen. No. Like, you were the point guard the team needed to play, not the one that they wanted. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it seems like LeBron gets a lot of guys in his orbit who kind of get mad at him. And I think it's – I think LeBron is, is obviously championship-focused. And 
if he doesn't feel like you're going to be the contributing factor that helps him get to the point of winning a championship, he'll kind of like replace you like Russell Westbrook. We saw. Yeah. Right. But like, you know, he eventually was like, this is not going to work. And he went very heavy after Kyrie and like, which didn't work as well. Um, so yeah, LeBron just, I think probably does rub people the wrong way. And I think he is kind of an easy target, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I ultimately still think that, like Mario Chalmers, like you were not even like a big piece on that Heat team, Mm-mm. so it's like it just seems like a guy who's maybe a little bit bitter about how everything went. Um, so I, I don't take much stock into what guys like that say. Yeah, they, and I feel like there's so many guys like that in the NBA that were kind of in like the LeBronosphere where they mm-hmm. were just kind of there, but not really. They were not major contributors, and I mean, again, like a lot of his success is based off of him just kind of being on the same court as LeBron, not necessarily matching his skill level or his ability, just kind of like, kind of like guys who are on, um, you know, NFL staffs with genius coaches. You know, if you sat next to this person on a plane for four hours, someone's going to consider you really good, but you get exposed when you're out in the real world. And, I think he did two years after Miami with the Grizzlies, and that was that was basically about as, about as memorable as my time playing point guard for the Grizzlies. So, um, right after Mark, Mike Conley, right? Yeah, absolutely. So Mario Chalmers, congrats! You're the asshole of the week, and this is the yeah. first time that I thought about your name since 2015. Amen. Um, picks of the week. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to th- uh, my main pick of the week is something else, but I want to throw back out there. I recently watched The Guest again. It's a fucking incredible movie if you've never seen yeah, it. Yeah, man. There was a they they never did a sequel. They talked about it and Dan Stevens, who was the star of the movie, has said that he would be interested in doing it, but it just doesn't seem like there's any movement on it. Um it was kind of an indie f- flick, so it's like it did, it didn't get a ton of coverage, but they actually put together a soundtrack of the sequel that doesn't exist, and it fucking bangs. This it was your pick of the week like a year ago. A year ago. I just randomly, because I watched The Guest and I started listening to it again. It's kind of like a perfect gym, because it's, it's 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 really like, there's no like song. It's all like it's synth like, music, right? It's John carpenter S synth shit, and it fucking bangs so hard, and I need enough people to listen to it so that maybe they go, Oh, we should do a sequel for this. Maybe the fucking, I don't know. I'm doing anything I can here to get a sequel for this movie done. Um, if Dan Stevens is open to doing it, we should be fucking doing this movie because it, it fucking rules. And I wanted more of this character. So um, I'm still hoping, holding out hope uh, that it ends up getting done. So that's just a, a, a quick little uh Something in the beginning, but uh, my main uh, pick of the week this week is uh, Will Summer came out with a book called Trust the Plan mm. uh, about the rise of Q- the rise of QAnon, and uh, I've been I just kind of started it and it's really really fucking good. And uh, I obviously have already uh, plugged Fever Dreams, his podcast for the Daily Beast. Uh, so yeah, uh, all your QAnon and crazy people things all in one bag. So it's uh, he has a lot of insight. He's talked to a lot of people. He has, they know him personally. A lot of these guys. So it's like it's he gets a lot of uh, really interesting uh, anecdotes about it. Yeah, he was also. Um, I think he was. Was he on Chapo or was he on QAnon Anonymous? I can't remember which. Uh, one. He was on QAnon Anonymous recently. But he was talking about that, and it's just. 
I mean, a book like that, you have to invest a lot of your brain for, to some wild shit. Yeah. And I'm, I, I would like to get around to it, but I don't know when I'm going to be able to like open my mind to madness again. Who knows? Maybe on indictment day, I can pick up a book on Amazon and be like, yeah, this is going to track on a day like today. But I, I like Will Summer. I like all of his articles and I like the books that he's come out with. They're pretty, they're, they're informative yet funny at the same time. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm very into it. Uh, so yeah, I definitely recommend. Um, my pick of the week is actually going to be a book as well. And the irony of this book coming out is pretty funny to me. So if anybody listens to hardcore history, Dan Carlin has a podcast and he has a lot of like long form, like historical podcasts about world war one, um, world war two and, and major events in history. And he came out with a book in 2019 where it's called the end is always near apocalyptic moments from the bronze age collapse to nuclear near misses. And I saw when it had come out in 2019, I was like, oh, that looks really good. And then in 2020, COVID happens. And mm. it's just really interesting because he's talking about these major like epidemics that and major pandemics that had happened in ancient eras where people were dying left and right, like in a tenth of the population was wiped off the map in the Middle Ages and even talking about influenza as well and how catastrophic that was in 1917 and 1918, where it was like estimated 25 to 50 million people worldwide had died from that. And, mm. but also like how civilization has grown and evolved and the fall of the Roman empire, which is probably more of a slip than a like complete collapse. Um, just how society has changed and evolved with, regimes or governments like slowly losing power and influence and how other ones have risen. Yeah. Um, but also how technology has kind of really changed the game for us. And honestly learning about like his take on nuclear war was something that was really fascinating. And, you know, I always, I always find it really funny how we're so committed to climate change and addressing those issues when, our own government detonated a nuclear bomb in orbit. Mm. They did it in the atmosphere and they did it a couple of times. Like there's just things that have happened in society where they don't make any sense now. And maybe in four or 500 years, somebody's going to study them and be like, yeah, it was a pretty fucking stupid idea. <laughs> but they, they yeah. he, he gets into like the conversation about using nuclear weapons and, it's always been a conversation that has really interested me in the sense that people today say that they would not use like atomic weapons or nuclear weapons during world war two, but he framed it in a way that makes it really interesting is like the U S government and the military had no idea what this was going to do. Hmm. And like, they weren't sure how big the explosion was going to be, um, what kind of damage it was going to also provide. But if you're looking at it in the context of what was happening in Japan in 1945, the U S army air Corps was already firebombing all of these cities and killing 70, 80, hundred thousand people at a time. So using an atomic bomb was not even the most violent thing that they were doing at the time. And yeah, 
Hiroshima and Nagasaki were picked because all of the other cities in Japan of value were wiped off the map already. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, the, the accounts of the firebombings of Tokyo and places like that where they used napalm and they created these like actual hundred mile an hour firestorms that just liquidated everything. That was just conventional weapons. And it's, it changes the understanding and the calculus of like, what is total war versus a nuclear war? And they're not too far away from each other. Yeah. That's so crazy. That's the end is always near. I'm going to have to dig into that. Cause that's, uh, that's wild. Yeah. And if you want to listen to the audiobook, it's him narrating it too. So if you like the sound of his voice and you like his podcast, give that one a listen. Um, but I've always enjoyed his stuff. Um, I've just not been willing to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you on that. That was also a library book that I got to. So support your local library people. Yes, sir. All right, Q. I think that does it for us. Yes, sir. Um, so folks, thank you all for, um, stopping by and listening or watching another episode of the second mouse podcast. Um, our co-host Gatto likes to, is going to thank you from the basement of Rikers Island where he's being held with the Crypt Keeper and Hannibal Lecter. Um, hopefully he'll be back next week, but who knows? There might be another financial crisis that he needs to solve. I heard Credit Suisse is about to go tits up. Um, if you like our brand of comedy and our disturbing sense of how the world works, do us a favor. Like and subscribe. Yeah. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. Just clap. Just clap. Please clap, please like, please subscribe. We do this out of the kindness of our hearts. And right now we've lost all of our money in FTX and we really need your likes and subscribes. Um, but also tell your friends, we have a YouTube channel that we put this on. We have a Twitch channel we put this on. We're on all your favorite streaming platforms. Your mom listens to us. Tell her I said hello. And do us a favor, come back next week and give us a rating. Bye guys. We'll see you all next week, folks. Okay, let's get me a rhythm. Follow me. We are, we are And then he says, and I'm not kidding, he goes, now clap. Please clap. Just clap for that, you stupid bastard. I need applause to live. Ha, suck it, Jack Sparrow. <laughs> <laughs>